first song that I ever sang in church was How Great Thou Art. Not for the reason that I could sing it, but it's the only gospel song I knew. That's why I sang it. But I'll never forget, uh, we hadn't been married very long. And by the way, this coming week, is Judy's been blessed to be married to me for 45 years this coming Sunday, this coming week. I mean, what was that? I'm not even going to say what I was going to say now. Let me tell you, just in case you haven't noticed, we're becoming an international church. I'm serious. We've got people from the country of Ohio. There's more than one. But we've also got somebody here this morning from the country of South Africa. Miss Rose sitting over here from South Africa. She moved all the way here to Cupper's Cove just to come hear me preach. Take that toy away from him back there, would you please? <laughs> Isn't it great to be in God's house? <laughs> this morning, I want to, I know we started off, in fact, let me share a little story with you. I had somebody this morning say, you know, last week you went a little bit long, so you need to cut it short this week. But then somebody, but somebody else reminded me that the first Sunday of the month, it was bad. We had ice outside or getting ice and so forth and had just a bad day. And so I cut it short. So see? I don't owe y'all anything now. So we should be through here by 2 o'clock this afternoon. So <laughs> if you will, get your Bibles and turn with you to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. I want to talk today about a blast from the past. Would you stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word? Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning of verse 20 and reading through 25. You'll recognize this story. This is as the children of Israel are coming out and just uh, as they go into the new land, the promised land. Beginning in verse 20. When your son asks you in time to come, saying, What is the meaning of the testimonies, the, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, We were slaves in Pharaoh, of Pharaoh in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand, and the Lord showed signs and wonders before our eyes, great and severe, against Egypt, Pharaoh, and all his household. Then he brought us out of there, out from there, that he might bring us in to give us the land which he swore to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good for our good always that he might preserve us alive as it is this day then it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to observe all these commandments before the Lord our God as he has commanded us let's go to the Lord and pray this morning dear God we thank you Lord for the privilege of being in your house Lord, we thank you for gathering together that we can have a good time in your service. But, Lord, also that we can learn about you, pray about you, pray to you. And, Lord, to pray for one another today. We thank you for each one that's here. We thank you especially for our visitors that came this morning. We just pray now that you would open our hearts and our minds to be receptive to what you're telling us. And, Lord, Lord just let us expound upon it for a few moments. Thank you, Lord, for this church. Thank you for our community. And we just ask that you would show us ways to reach out in this community 
and bring men and women, boys and girls, to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Go with us. All these things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. We got started a week late because of the bad weather the first Sunday. And so this was going to be last week's message, and I had to change it last week, had to use another one, but nonetheless, a blast from the past. Now, what is that talking about? First of all, let me show you with you. I heard about a man who had retired, and he had got, he got up one morning, and the first thing he always did was read the obituary column to see if he recognized anybody that had passed away. A good thing to do as you start to get older, as some of you are. <coughs> but... On this particular morning, he read that column in the newspaper by mistake had put his name in the column, and they reported that he was dead. He was not only shaken, he was irate. He called the editor of the newspaper and really chewed him out good. Finally, the editor said, I tell you what we'll do. In the morning, we'll put your name in the birth column and give you a brand new start. Now, let's... That would be a good idea to do if we had to. But just think about it. Isn't every new year a brand new start? Even though we're this is the third week in the year because of the weather and so forth, but every year's every year's a new start. We make resolutions. We say we're going to do this. We're going to change this. We're not going to do this anymore and all the different things that we try to change. Most of the time, by the end of January, we've already forgot about and gone about our business, but that's that's another story. But it's... We make these things, it's, a, it's almost a fun time to say, okay, this is a new year, things are going to be different. And we begin that year that way. There really is something exciting about new beginnings. There's something exciting about a new year because you know it's a new beginning. There's something exciting about starting a new job because it's a new beginning. There's something exciting about moving into a new home because it's a new beginning. There's something sad about a new day because we know that with it comes a new beginning every day of the year. Believe it or not, you can have a new beginning in your life more often than you think because a new beginning requires three simple things according to this passage we just read. Three things that all it takes to have a new beginning. First of all, it requires a look back to see where you've been. Second... It requires a look around to see where are you right now. But then it also requires a look ahead to see where you want to go. Isn't that what a new year is? We want to change some things about ourselves. We want to make something different this year. We want to have some new habits to get rid of some old habits. We want to stop doing certain things or whatever it may be in your life. But we all to some degree do those three things every year. And if you noticed as we read that passage, that's exactly what the book of Deuteronomy tells us to do. He says, look back where you came from, look where you're at today, but then look where you're going and how you're going to get there. You can't really get to where you need to go until you look where you are. But you really cannot know where you are until you realize where you've been, right? We have to look at our situation. What, what, how did I get where I'm at today? I had a lady just a while ago, a few minutes ago, ask me, how did you become a preacher? It was totally accident. I had no plans that way. No, God had a hand in it, obviously. I didn't know it at the time, but he did. But, yes, I, mean, I had no intentions. I'll just share this with you. I know we've got visitors here. I did not grow up in a Christian home. 
I didn't have any Christian guiding, if you will, as a young man. That's not mine. So <laughs> it's happened to me before, so don't worry about it. It happens all the time. <laughs> it just have a little strange music coming off cross. But, <clears throat> but we, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. In fact, if you, I grew up in North Fort Worth. If you'd have asked me if one day I'd be a preacher, I'd probably punched you in the face. Because I had no intent. I'd never met a preacher I liked, let alone wanting to be one of them. And all of a sudden, one day, after I became a Christian, sitting in a church service about like this, I felt God saying, I've got something I want you to do. Now, he didn't tell me right then because he probably knew I'd pass out if I had him. But over time, he began to reveal to me what he wanted me to do. I was not raised in a Christian home. I had no Christian background, folks. I I knew nothing about it. I didn't have the pedigree, they say. But God says, here's what I want you to do. That's what we've got to do. We've got to find out where you are now in order to find where you want to go. One of my favorite ball players, baseball player, Yogi Berra, used to play for the New York Yankees, went on to be the coach for the Yankees after that. Yogi Berra was known for doing these crazy, well, one of his things, he says, I'm up the paddle without a broom. I mean, he'd get them all mixed up. But this Mickey Mantle tells this, told this true story. He said he, one afternoon, he was going to go over to Yogi Berra's apartment to see him. But he got lost along the way. He stopped at a payphone and called Yogi and says, Yogi, I'm trying to find your apartment. Where is it at? Yogi Berra said, where are you at now? He said, I'm at the corner of 5th and Main Street in New York City. Yogi said, well, just keep coming this direction and hung the phone up. Now, that's the way Yogi Berra was. He had a lot of those. In fact, there's a book out that his little quips that he uses that just, you know, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. But that's the way he was. The nation of Israel was less than two weeks, two-week journey to the promised land that God had told them years ago. Two weeks is all it took. They had been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. They were now poised to cross the Jordan, conquer Canaan, and claim the new beginning that God had set aside for them. For 40 years, these people traveled the desert, the wilderness. For 40 years, they had been envisioning what God's got for them. All of a sudden, here they are within two weeks of being in that place. So they could claim a new beginning. Before they did, Moses gives them a blast from the past, if you will. He asked them to open up their memories and remember what the Lord had done for them so they could rejoice in what he was doing for them, and then he could, they could receive what he was going to do for them. That's the passage we just read a few minutes ago, Deuteronomy chapter 6. That's exactly where God has every one of us today. You say, well, you don't know my past. No, I don't, but you don't know my past either. But I do know this. As far as a church, as far as a community, as far as his blessings upon this area, God wants to use Robertson Avenue Baptist Church to do something this year. 
Now, that doesn't mean he doesn't want to use the rest of the churches either. That, 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 I'm not saying that. There are many good churches in this area, but I can promise you that God wants to use this church to reach people this year. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. That's the only reason we exist is for God's purposes. And I hope and I pray that's the only reason you're here this morning because you want to learn God's possibilities for you. Let's go on a little bit farther. Now, I had to look this up, but this is pretty neat in my opinion. Your memory is a very powerful tool. Your memory is capable of containing 100 bits of information. Now, I'm not a computer guy, so I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just repeating this to you. Your memory is capable of containing 100 bits of information or 500 times the information contained in a complete set of encyclopedias. Your brain has 100 billion neurons, 100 trillion connections for those memories, 46 ounces of memory in all, and that's if you're average. Now think about that a minute. God designed our brains to have capabilities that we don't even begin to understand. He gave us so much. I mean, think about what God did when he put us together. Now, I know we've talked about, and Genesis says that, you know, now, guys, this is a true story, by the way. When God made man, the word that he used is basically he just plopped them together. I mean, that's, that's, that's a, go look it up. That's, that's true. When God made woman, it says that he took his time and made her right. Now, I don't know if that means we were made wrong. I'm not saying that, but I'm just letting you know that God, there was a difference. God just took us guys and put us a bunch of sand and made us, and we became man. Maybe that explains a lot of things. I don't know. But, it's, but when the Bible says, and it uses a word that's totally different, when he made woman, he made her special, if you will. Now, why did God do that? Why did he make us both the same? Because we were different. We are different. We're different mentally. We're different sexually. We're different many ways. If you don't believe it, get married. You'll find out real quick. But it's, there's a reason why God's given us this magnificent tool called a memory. The way to know that you can trust what God is doing today is what God will do tomorrow is to remember what God has done in the past. Now think about that. Before you can look to the future and even live in the present, really, if you think about it, you must learn from where you came from. You must learn from the past. We need to do what Moses did, what he told the nation of Israel to do before they entered the promised land. Number one, he says, look back at God's providence over your life. In fact, if you look at verse 21, it says, Then you shall say to your son, We were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Israel was poised to cross the Jordan River. I mean, this is the end of the journey. They were just about ready to go across and take that promise that they'd heard about for 40 years. 
because of God's providence in their life. God reached down with his mighty hand and delivered Israel from the clutches of the most powerful nation on earth at the time. You can explain the providence of God in one single verse in the Bible. And here's what it says, Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purposes. Now, did you catch the little phrase in there? That does not apply to everybody on the face of the earth. Wait a minute, what are you talking about? God's not good to them? Oh, He can be. And we know that all things work to good for those who love God. To those who are called according to His purposes. See, that doesn't apply to everybody. It can apply to everybody. But there's a lot of people that use that verse and wonder why God didn't bless them. Because you're not part of God. Period. Just because you come to church does not make you a Christian. Just because you come to a Baptist church don't make you a Christian. Last week, Brother Dennis had an article he put in the uh, Facebook, not an article, but a little deal on Facebook about a friend of his. I can't, don't know the guy's name, wouldn't know him if I heard his name, so it doesn't matter. But what he was talking about is that how that he had gone through a trying time in a church, and the church had literally had ran him off. I'm mean, Just put it bluntly. And that happens a lot. Now, I can honestly tell you this. I've never had to go through that. But I've watched a lot of men and families go through those times, and it hurts. And most of the time, it's not that the preacher or the deacons did something horribly wrong. It's that they just didn't get along. They didn't forgive each other. And folks, think about what a church is. This is the body of Christ. And sometimes we can act so ungodly, it's unbelievable. Now, for all of our visitors, let me say, I'm not talking about this church here. I believe this is one of the lovingest, caringest churches I've ever been associated with. And I, I don't say that because I'm the pastor. I say it because I mean it. We've got some good deacons. I believe they have the best interest in this church. Sure, we've got some challenges. Sure, we've got some problems. But there's too many churches today closing up because... God is not allowed to do what God wants to in the church. And by the way, one other thing real quick. God not only moves preachers, sometimes he moves people. Sometimes he has to get people out of the way so he can do the work. But understand that God has a purpose. And just because you say you're a Christian does not make you a Christian. There has to be some time in your life when you came to know Jesus Christ on a personal level. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. To those who are called according to His purpose. Why are you here today? Well, I'm just supposed to get up and go to church. My wife makes me. You're here for the wrong reason. Well, I just, it's, I'm on the school board or I'm on the city council. I'm just, I just need to be in church somewhere. You're here for the wrong reason. You see... It's not how many times you come to church. It's with what attitude you come to church that makes a difference. I've said a hundred times, I'll continue saying it. What we ought to do is take the pulpit and take the altar and move it on the front steps of the church. Before you come to church, before you walk in the service, 
get on your knees and start getting your heart right so you can come in and worship the right way. Can you imagine how that would change our church if we could do it? Now, we're not going to do that. We can't do it. But can you imagine how that would change churches if before we walked in those doors out front, we'd get on our knees and say, God, cleanse me so I can worship you the way I need to worship you. And then walk in. Oh, it'd make a difference. We wouldn't have so many heathens sitting here. I'm not going to call names so that I'm not going there. <laughs> I can look back in my own life and see how, so many ways how God's providence has operated in my life. If God had not saved me, I would not be married to the woman I am today. Had it not been for her brother backing out on a hunting trip that me and him were going on, I probably would have never dated her in the first place. And then she had never had the opportunity to ask me to marry her. I'm, I'm kidding there. I'm kidding there. But, but it all worked out exactly right. I mean, God knew what he was doing. Now, just for the record, and I don't mean to brag, but I've raised her now for 45 years. And so this, this coming week's our 45th anniversary. I know I don't look that old, but I am. But it, somebody needs to take that toy away from him. You and I both can look back and begin to connect the dots of daily events that took place in our life. And we begin to see a pattern if you look at them. We can see life as different pieces of a puzzle that somehow miraculously came together. In our lives, we can see it. That's the providence of God, folks, if you're a child of God. These pieces are not circumstantial, as we like to say, nor are they accidental. They're providential by God. God has something for you that may not come to fruition until 20 years from now. But he may be putting the places in your life right now in order for it to be completed. God knows exactly what we need. He knows where we're going to be at 20 years from now. He knows what we're going to need in our lives. And he's putting the pieces together. You say, well, you won't believe the trying times I'm going through. That may be a trial for you. He may be teaching you something through that. Lady, just a while ago, I'm not going to call any names, but talk about, I said something about this is our anniversary and been married 40, we'll be married 44 year, 45 years Friday. And she said, well, it would have been my 50th right before my husband passed away. God has a purpose for everything. I don't care what it is. I don't know what he was doing in her life. But God had a purpose. And God brought her through to this point. The pieces are not circumstantial. They're not accidental. They're providential. When you look back and see how God has worked in your life, you can know that God is working your life today and will work in your life tomorrow if you're a child of God. The second thing they tell us, look back at God's presence in your life. Verse 22 says, And the Lord showed signs and wonders before our eyes, great and severe against Egypt, Pharaoh, and all his household. God wanted Israel to not only know that he was real, but also to know that he was there when they needed him. For 40 
five years they wandered the desert. Don't you think some of those people began to think, where is God? Why hadn't we reached our destination yet? Where are we going? For 40 years they wandered. Don't you know there was a lot of discouragement? There was. Go back and read the story of Caleb. Oh, Caleb was 85 years this time as he was traveling with these people, one of the leaders of the group. The young men probably came up to him and says, Caleb, you're 85 years old. You're not going to live long enough to see the promised land. And I can see old Caleb, oh, yes, I am. You may not live, but I'm going to live because God promised me that mountain right over there. And he says, I'm not going to die until I have it. And he believed God so much that he believed God would see him through. It didn't matter if he's 185. That's the kind of faith we need, folks. When God tells us something, it's going to come to fruition. It doesn't matter what it is. God wanted Israel not only to know he was real, but also he was there for them. He did it with signs and wonders. Remember that God never does a miracle just for show. He never does it to get a thrill out of it. He does it to manifest his presence and magnify his glory every time. Do miracles still happen? Absolutely they do. Go down the hospitals every day they happen. Watch people. Miracles happen every day. Yes, we're in the miracle business. God performs miracles in our lives every single day of our life. To let us know we've got something more that He wants us to do. To continue on. Like the nation of Israel, we can see God every day, not just in the big things of life, but also in the little things of life. I heard about a little boy that came in the kitchen one day with his baseball glove and a ball, and he said, Mom, I'm going to go outside and play catch before supper. She said, Sure. Who are you going to play catch with? He said, I'm going to play catch with God. She said, How do you play catch with God? He said, Well, I do it every day. So I throw the ball there, and God always throws it back. That's the kind of faith we need, folks. Even in an act of gravity, that little boy recognized the presence of God. Have you ever gotten a phone call or a letter or an email, and it was exactly what you needed that day? Sure we have. We all have. It just hit a spot in us. I mean, it may have been from somebody you haven't seen. It may have been from a total stranger for that matter. But just the right thing is said, and it just hits you the right way. That's God's providence. No, that's Facebook. Don't give me that. That was God sending it. We all have those things. Just tiny reminders of God's presence in our lives. I want you to remember something. God is always present in your life. You just may not always be aware of it. In fact, in Matthew chapter 20, 28, Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, Jesus said to himself, Lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of time. That's not me saying that. That's Jesus saying that. God is always with you, even when you don't feel him, even when you don't see him, even when you don't experience that feeling. God's still there. Maybe he's waiting on you to do something. The third thing we look at, 
Look back at God's provision for your life. Look at verse 23. Then he brought us out from there that he might bring us in to give us the land which he swore to our fathers. I like that phrase. Doesn't this describe the Christian life? He brought us out that he might bring us in. Now, I know he wasn't saying that in those words, but yeah, I think he used those words specifically also. He brought us out of the life we used to live to bring us into the life he's got for us. That's what God did for us. That's why Jesus died on the cross for us. That's why Jesus went to the humiliation, the embarrassment, and all the other things he must have faced as he hung on that cross. The pain, the torture, the ridicule. Because he looked down the years and he saw one young man named Norman Melton. And he says, if I don't do this, he'll never have a chance. I believe that with every ounce of my being, folks. If I was the only person on the face of the earth that ever came to know Jesus Christ, he'd have died the same way because he loved me that much. But he also loves you that much. Let's move along. He brought them out that he might bring them in. Now I want you to remember Whenever you're in trouble, that God brings you out of trouble, that he might bring you into triumph. How many times have you faced a sickness, a challenge in life, a, a difficulty, whatever it may be, and then after that you received a blessing? That's exactly what God's saying here. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 4:19, My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Jesus Christ. I'm so glad God doesn't depend on my riches to bring me blessings because I couldn't afford them. But it's dependent on His riches. Folks, God's a whole lot richer than I am. I mean, it don't even hold a candle to it. And God wants to give us the things that we need if we'll be the kind of people we need to be. I promise you, if you'll take a moment to look back, you can see ways that God provided in your life. I could tell you story after story how he's provided my needs. But if you look back, you'll see God's provision in your life. The fourth thing, real quick. Look back at God's protection of your life. Verse 24 says, And the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good, way, for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. Israel's fate and Israel's future was in God's hands. And it's God that preserves and God that protects and God that provides for us on a regular basis. You know, we, we will all be amazed, I think, one of these days when we get to heaven to see how many times that we were perhaps just 30 seconds behind a bad wreck. That could have been us, or a minute, or an hour, or whatever it may be. And we didn't realize how close we were because God's provision, protection was on us. And I believe one of these days that we're going to see those things that happened in my life and your life, and we're going to think, man, I remember that. 
I remember one time, and I was a young man, probably about 17, 18. I just started driving. Me and two or three of our guys up north of Fort Worth, we lived out uh, north, of, out north of Fort Worth and country roads everywhere. And we was in my car, and we was going down. There's four of us. And we were going down this highway, and there was an intersection up front. And I made the stupid comment, I'm going right through it. I'm not going to slow down. And yes, I ran a stop sign, or was going to. Just as I started getting close to that, for some reason, I stopped the car. And just as we pulled up the stop sign, an 18-wheeler crossed right in front of our path. Now, I don't know if that would have got us or not. Probably so. Just teenagers being stupid. But it could have been our lives. I remember that to this day. And every time I remember that verse and this passage, I think about God's hand was on me before I even became a Christian. He had something set aside for me. And I remember that vividly. I could take you to the spot today. Well, maybe not since all the houses have been built up out there now. But I mean, I could find it now. But it's still there somewhere, I know. Anyway. I think we'll be amazed when we get to heaven to see how many times God protected us and we didn't even realize what it was. Psalms chapter 68 verse 20 says, Our God is the God of salvation, and to God the Lord belong escapes from death. Isn't that neat? Our God is the God of salvation, and to God the Lord belong escapes from death. How many times have you escaped death because... Of God, have you ever been in situations where you just know that if 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 it hadn't been for God, you'd probably be a goner. That's the bottom line. I just shared one of my life. Probably have more, but I'm not going to share those with you. But God put His hand over us to protect us, even before I became a Christian. Why did He do that? I wasn't one of His at the time, because He had a plan for my life. And he knew it. I didn't know it, but he did. It would be a great exercise for all of us to take time to sit down and just reflect on the past and see God's providence over our lives, God's presence in our lives, God's provisions of our life, and God's protection of our lives. And see the reminders that come to us on a daily basis that the Lord has worked in our past in th- through God that does the work in our present and also works in the future. In his book, The Darkness of Dawn, Charles Swindoll, one of my favorite Christian writers, The Darkness of Dawn, his book, he writes about a man named Ed. Almost every Friday evening, without fail, When the sun was going down, Ed would go to the beach to his favorite pier carrying a bucket of shrimp. He would walk out to the end of the pier as the sun was beginning to go down and stand there with his bucket of shrimp and begin to throw the shrimp into the water. Before long, dozens of seagulls would envelop him, their wings fluttering and flapping wildly. Ed would stand there tossing out shrimp to the hungry birds. If you were standing next to him, you would... Hear him say something like this, thank you, thank you, according to Charles Swindoll. After the bucket was empty, Ed would just stand there deep in thoughts, watching the golden glow of the sun begin to go down behind the horizon. 
almost every Friday, one of those seagulls would land on his sea-bleached, weather-beaten hat, an old military hat that he had worn for years. Ed would finally make his way down to the end of the beach and go home. You probably think that Ed, if you saw him, would be a weirdo. A few bricks short of a load, a sandwich short of a picnic, feeding those seagulls with a bucket of shrimp. But what you probably would not have realized is that this man's name was Eddie Rickenbacker. He was a famous hero back in World War II. And on one of his flying missions across the Pacific, he, was, he and his seven-member crew went down. Miraculously, all the men survived, crawled out of this plane, and climbed into a small life raft. Captain Rickenbacker and his crew floated for days on rough waters of the Pacific. They fought the sun, they fought sharks, and most of all, they fought hunger. On the eighth day, all their food ran out. All their water was gone. They were hundreds of miles from land, and nobody knew where they were. They needed a miracle. That afternoon, they had a simple devotional service and prayed for a miracle. Then they tried to go to sleep. Eddie leaned back and pulled his military cap over his nose. All of a sudden, he felt something land on the top of his cap. It was a seagull. Captain Rickenbacker would later describe how he sat perfectly still until the flash of his hand and the squawk of a bur- the, the gull, he managed to grab it and wring its neck. He tore the feathers off, and he and his crew had a meal of a seagull that day. He then used the intestines for bait. With those intestines, they caught fish, which gave them food and more bait, and the cycle began. With that simple survival technique, they were able to survive until they were found and rescued. Eddie Rickenbacker lived many years after that ordeal, but he never forgot the sacrifice of that first seagull. He never forgot how God provided that bird in his greatest hour of need, and he never stopped saying thank you every week. That's why almost every Friday, every Friday night, he will walk to the end of that pier with a bucket of shrimp and a heart full of gratitude. We ought to do the same thing this man did. Look back at your past. Remember God's providence over your life. See God's presence in your life. Think about God's provisions over your life. Rejoice in God's protection from your life. Get a blast from the past and know that the God who worked yesterday is surely working today and will work tomorrow if we'll let him. Let's stand together this morning. Dear God, we thank you, Lord, for this day you've given us. Lord, we come to close this service. You know the hearts of everyone that stands here before you. Lord, I don't know if they're saved. I don't know if they know you in a personal way. I don't know anything about a lot of them, but you do. And, Lord, today we're here because of Jesus Christ. There may be somebody here today that's seeking and searching. Maybe they're searching for a church to worship in. But, Lord, they also may be searching for an answer. And, Lord, Jesus Christ is the answer regardless of what the question is. Jesus Christ can make the difference. Lord, today we have this invitation. We invite them to come 
Lord, if they're looking for a church home, to make this their church. If you've laid that upon their heart. Lord, if they're looking for a place to worship, then, Lord, our doors are open. Just so many ways, Lord. Lord, we just ask that your will be done this morning. Speak to our hearts. Maybe there's somebody who just needs to bow these steps and just pray. Maybe they've just got away from God over the holidays a little bit. Just slip back. Whatever the need is. Lord, if they'll come at these steps, we've got our deacons on both sides of the room will be here to pray with them, to talk to them, to encourage them, whatever it may be, whatever they need. Lord, this is your invitation. It's not ours. This is yours. Call us to a place of service. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.